question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything that I said. Welcome to the Yellow Concrete Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's all right. For anyone listening, watching, we've got James with us, who, again, I, I do this every time. I'll describe you as a musician. Yeah, I think that's fair. But is that what you describe yourself as? Um, kind of a jack of all trades and master of none yeah. kind of thing. Uh, spoken word artist, probably what most people know me as. Okay. But, yeah, like spoken word artist, music producer, musician, thing... And digital artist to a certain extent. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think this, this is the problem with, like, especially the last few podcasts I've done, mm. where I've been, I've met people, but only through, like, one aspect of their life. Yeah. I was yeah. met all the people from Witter mm-hmm. doing Women in the Art stuff, and yeah. I met different poets, and it's like, well, yeah, they do painting and stuff, and it's like, yeah, but I, I literally know just that this little minute yeah. part of you, which yeah. I, I've kind of done, which brings me to my first question, which is how long have we known each other, James? I think it's three weeks today. I know. Yeah. That's not a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the shot I still had. Like, yeah, like 20 minutes. Yeah, you know, knowing rocking up and, and 20, 20 minutes in. Um, no, it's been three weeks. I, I was, again, it's interesting, again, just to kind of have people who I've not known very long mm. come chat. Yeah. It, um, yeah, you just get, you get different insight into how people... Well, I guess it's a bit more of an investigation, isn't it? You can dig a little bit. It does become slightly more interviewing. Yeah. Of, of what do you do with your life and how do you, yeah. how do you spend your time? <laughs> well, I think, like, remember that time? Yeah. When, yeah. You remember that time three weeks ago? Yeah. yeah. When we met. When we, when we met. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. great. You know, we got together. There was all kinds of stuff going on. Well, <laughs> um, you performed some spoken word recently, I think. Uh, yeah. You were saying? Yeah, yeah. I did. Um, did two nights in a row of the kind of music and spoken word yeah. thing, uh, project that I've been working on for a bit. And then I've done a couple of slams yeah. after that as well, kind of using the same material, but not having a backing track with it as such. And um, yeah, it's been kind of a bit of hubbub about it, which is quite nice. Yeah. Just kind of exactly what I wanted. I think it, in, is your, your music backtracks electronic, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So I think that's that kind of it's different to mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Obviously, you see a lot of acoustic stuff because it's easy to take acoustic with you, yeah, and just yeah. do it. So it's quite interesting to see. I mean, I've I think it's technically easier, yeah, because I don't have to play an instrument. You just have a backtrack. Yeah, I just rock up with a phone or a laptop and just go and plug it in. I don't have to think about anything other than keeping in time. Yeah, I guess that's the only issue. <laughs> if you mess up, yeah, there's no backtrack to it. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's no like, way. Let me rewind it. You can't just keep strumming a little bit longer. Yeah, there's no, no there's no cover ups with it. Yeah, so it's kind of just like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> carry on, just keep going. That's fair. How long have you been doing that? Um, just started with the music and the spoken word together. It was just this month. It's the first time I've done it. Was at um, Richie's night. Richie Daniels um, crash course of brain surgery. Yeah, and then the next day. Slightly different set, different order, and a different song in it for the Poetry Green Room that Jenna oh, yeah. Baker runs. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like two very different audiences, where with Crash Course is kind of expected to a certain extent to have something a bit left field yeah. and out of the ordinary. Um, and then Green Room is kind of more sort of middle aged. Okay. I guess kind of yeah. audience, and uh, just hearing people have different things to say about it was interesting. Yeah, because um, they're kind of coming at it from different perspectives. Yeah, I think this was something I discussed with um, Gemma when I had her on mm. um, on a podcast, and just the idea of because I was saying there's a lot of spoken word nights in Lincoln, like a lot. Yeah, and I thought maybe because I don't go to a lot of them, maybe it's just the same crowd turning up to each and every night so it's kind of you get a few randoms but mm. it's generally the same audience because a lot of people are invested in the spoken word so I wondered whether that that kind of impacted but she was saying it's quite a varied yeah amount yeah I think I think if you kind of had like a scoreboard of people yeah that every single one of those people would have been to every event 
but they're not always necessarily at the same place at the same time. So you've got a general big audience for it. Yeah. You get slithers of that. And it tends to be every event, there's like two or three, at the least, new yeah. people that will turn up who have been told about it or they've seen it advertised somewhere and be like, oh, it's poetry. So I thought I'd come along and like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> like I was expecting <laughs> someone to recite something and instead it's coarse usually or like very very personal and very intimate yeah they're expecting kind of metaphor and we're, it is in there but romanticism also, and yeah. everything yeah yeah and like i wandered lonely as a cloud yeah probably yeah. isn't going to happen <laughs> someone should read that <laughs> but not even mention it just just yeah. pretend that it's their own and see what happens in the situation. try and get away with yeah. it yeah <laughs> not even try just blatantly rip it up we uh, did play with the idea of having like a spoken word karaoke, okay. where it's kind of having popular poems and see what kind of weird, terrible ways that you could just kind of take this really popular poem and just wreck it, <laughs> and everyone be like, "Yeah!" <laughs> just the destruction of language mm-hmm. <laughs> gradually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd go to it. I'd enjoy that. Yeah. I mean, which what, what kind of do you prefer the more like, like crash course, a bit surreal, but you don't know what you'll expect. It is expected because the event's quite yeah. theatric. Yeah. Or do you prefer more just going to a standard thing and then busting out something which they're not going to expect? I think it kind of depends on the day of the week, really. Yeah. That they've all got that. When I think about events, I don't really think so much about them about them as a performer. Okay. Um, with crash course, it was different. Because then it was more like this is seems like the best place to yeah. kind of kick this off, um, because I am doing something that's different at least locally anyway. But generally, I kind of go more as an audience member um, to kind of just see what everyone else is doing, yeah, and to just to hear stories really, because that's what it seems to be at the moment is there's a lot of kind of poetic storytelling, yeah, that's happening, and it's nice to hear. Uh, just different viewpoints. Yeah, so. I, th- I think there's a good range. Mm-hmm. It is one of those things of I, I do try to get out to them. Obviously, working nights, it's, mm. it becomes a bit, yeah, a bit awkward. You know, <clears throat> you never really know what to expect. Yeah, and yeah, I think especially to the general public who don't attend a lot of these things, there is very much an attitude of it's going to be this romanticized thing, mm-hmm. or it's going to be a little bit awkward. I yeah. think yeah. awkward usually is the one of like, isn't it weird to sit. <laughs> And watch one person yeah. recite a poem, especially quite a personal poem as well. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I guess it would be, but I don't know. I think because I've been doing it for for a while, that yeah. I kind of got used to it being very personal and it being yeah. very vulnerable. It's kind of part of the course, where it's now more awkward if someone isn't doing that. I guess to a certain extent. Yeah. It's like if it's a very, um, like exterior thing yeah. they're talking about like a specific subject like um, I don't know like carry on films for example it's yeah. like what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you mean you're talking about something that's not like your feelings and stuff what this I isn't poetry now it'd be quite interesting <laughs> um, it's especially a, in an yeah. event where everyone's doing something <clears throat> quite personal it is um, I think it did kind of get personal at least from the there were things I gained from Carry On growing up, yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, it was kind of a celebration of it. And it was a bit alien to be like, you're talking about things rather than feelings. Like, yeah. I've got used to that model yeah. of spoken word. So the left field stuff ends up being the kind of more traditional stuff sometimes. Yeah, at the moment, I think, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's expected that you're going to do something huh. which isn't considered traditional or, or that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. I always find it interesting, though, especially when I think. I think it was the last crash course, well, the first crash course I went to, mm. which I've, I've not managed to get to any other ones, and seeing a couple of people just read generalised poems, yeah. and I thought that was really interesting, because yeah. it was like, this was what you expect, but it's it's steeped within everyone yeah, else yeah. who's doing yeah. all this kind of weird, random stuff, and, yeah. which is great, yeah. and you just kind of sat there going, oh, this is it's a weird little break, like, yeah, it's almost like a yeah. breather, yeah, like, like, this is what oh, I expected, yeah. you know, there's a bit of coziness <laughs> here. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> I, I think I've been there on a night where it's gone from, where it's gone from that, you know, and kind of having a romantic view of something or someone, yeah. and it being like, oh, this is nice. Like I can just enjoy this. I don't have to 
think too much about it. So something more cerebral and then something that's just like the most transgressive thing that I've ever heard in my life and just been like, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm totally disgusted. I'm so <laughs> happy that I am. Because you know? <laughs> it's just bang, bang, bang. All yeah. these things come in at different directions. I, think it's funny, I find it interesting people who can write romanticized stuff. Mm. Uh, especially, uh, we were having this discussion with um, Elodie Clark, mm-hmm. and we wrote about romance poems. Yeah, and I can't write a romance poem. Yeah, because it makes me cringe, <laughs> and hearing them makes me cringe. Yeah, and I'm like, I know it's a very sincere thing, and people are obviously feeling these things, and, and they're expressing it in their way. But I'm sad. It's like I can't, I can't do it. I'm, I've been. In a way, some some way tainted by <laughs> by cliche and trope, yeah. and I'm just like, ah, I can't do it. And so I always find it like it's interesting that like, people who can manage to pull off a romanticized, a sincere romanticized yeah. or romantic poem in some way. I mean, I know that there's um, you have like anti slams, yeah, where people like intentionally write the worst poems they can, right? And the point of it is to have the worst poem, and there are some. Who kind of we will take on personas, and, and I'm sure I can't remember the name, but there's one who does like the most cliche written kind of overly romantic poetry, yeah. And it's like because they're doing it, even though it's kind of ironic, it's also earnest at the same time because they're trying really, really hard to yeah, write yeah. the most cliche yet most romantic poem ever. So it's like, I think you can kind of bypass it if you become doubly cynical about it. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to write the best romantic poem ever by trying to write the worst right. I Yeah, I don't know. It's the same when you hear, like, really angsty poems. Mm. And it, it just gives me flashbacks to, like, 13, 14-year-old, like, me. I mean... Just going, oh, yeah, well, fuck everything, and everything's awful, and death, and... Yeah, okay, right. It's like, <laughs> I kind of do angsty poems, I'm like, okay, not that. Oh, no, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 that, yeah. it's that blatant angst where yeah. you're just like, no, you know, and I'm, I'm going to throw the word fucking because yeah. that's edgy. <laughs> I, think, I think there is one that is like that, whereas, like, this poem is me at 13, like, when I started going, I'm going to write poetry about, yeah. like, how angry I am at things I don't really know anything about. Yeah. Um... And kind of, it was a bit of a callback to that because it was like, it was just a poem about very specifically being in that mindset yeah. and kind of realising how petulant it is as well. But up until the last line, it is just that. It's just like, I'm so angsty and I'm going to go listen to Rage Against the Machine and, you know, just pound at the wall very softly. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I do think that's, that carries something with, like, especially age as well. Because, mm. uh, like, mostly spoken word things, we see quite a lot of older people, I do find. There's, um, there seems to be kind of three tiers to it. Yeah. Where you've got the young, young blood that's, like, school, college age, mm-hmm. and they're kind of coming from the more slam-ish position, and, like, Neil Hilborn, who did, who's an American poet, Right. who did a poem about OCD, I think it's just called OCD, and that went everywhere. Right. So for a lot of people, that's... We've got a lot of younger people who are on YouTube, who are on the internet, and that's where they're getting a lot of media content. Yeah. That's kind of spoken word to them. And the, the stuff they're doing is really, really good. It's really good wordplay, and it's it's very personal. It's talking about topics. It's talking about subjects. Yeah. yeah. And then you've kind of got my age range, so like kind of 25 to 35-ish. Mm-hmm. And... It's kind of a little bit of the old school poetry with a little bit of the personal. And I think some elements of kind of the punk poet stuff in there. And you've got the older stuff, which is very much um, more in the punk poetry vein. Yeah. And then an older set that's kind of exactly what you'd expect to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you've kind of got different tiers, but I think the main body is kind of that 25, 35 range. Yeah. Where it's kind of in between the two extremes of it yeah. but you have a lot of and the and the younger people who are doing it they're like just hitting the ground running with it because the first rather than kind of DIYing it the first thing they've seen is this really high quality stuff Yeah, they've got this great point to jump off from and it's like they've got the uni slam and the stuff that they do is just like absolutely mind blowing and it's just like 
how long have you been doing this? Like three months. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get that. It's just, it's always that kind of thing when you you can like just flicking through like Reddit or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like for me, obviously with illustration and stuff like that. Yeah. And you see someone like, oh yeah, there's this 22 year old who's come out and done this, and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 okay. Like, congratulations on all your talent and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and inspirations and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's why I stopped trying to illustrate. <laughs> just was going on, like, deviant art, I think, at the time. It's oh, just like, yeah. That face is probably works in both contexts of deviant art, where it's like, wow, that's really good, and wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember vividly when I, I decided to get off deviant art. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I was full at like college wise, yeah. I was full in DeviantArt. I was yeah. like doing photography, going to post mm-hmm. all my photography there, yeah. doing illustration, going to yeah. post all that up on there. And I was just posting everything. Yeah. Like there was no editing has, in yeah. any way. I'd mm-hmm. take a hundred photographs and I'd dump them Boom. onto DeviantArt yeah. and tag them and everything like that. And I had a DeviantArt t-shirt at one point. Nice. That's commitment. That, that was, that was, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was doing that and I was like, oh yeah, this will be really good. And then just gradually, the more I like learn about people and, and found all I could find was like furry porn mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and I was like yeah. am I being is this the, what people see me as when they see <laughs> yeah, my yeah. DeviantArt t-shirt like are these my peers as yeah. well like and I was just casually just like looking through and I was like it's all just like there's some good pockets and people do yeah, use yeah. it as a great little platform yeah. but yeah. yeah the overall view is fan art and, yeah, and it's a lot of fan strange art. things and I was like I and I'm, I'm not even producing that. I can't even compete with that. So. <laughs> like, I can't quite get that. Yeah, I'm not willing to yeah. just go out and do that. <laughs> just to push that thing. And I mean, that's come into play again recently. I've started uh, streaming illustrations yeah. recently. Um, essentially just because I was doing them anyway. Yeah. I was like, why not? Yeah. Just, just get on the stream. And then you look at a lot of the other streamers more artists who do streams and again it's a lot of the DeviantArt crowd yeah. who are coming from there doing fan art and doing commissions of yeah. like that kind of thing you sat there going ah oh, I'm not going to fall into this trap again yeah, yeah, but at the yeah. same time I kind of want to explore <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from what the outside I, I, find, I don't yeah. know what it's like looking at Tumblr from the outside and going I want to get involved in Tumblr but yeah. it's a scary place yeah, I've <laughs> been buried in Tumblr for far too long and it's just like oh I think about creating a Tumblr like don't like there's some really beautiful beautiful things on tumblr amazing things that you would never know and you would never have otherwise seen yeah and like some things you'll find and then two years later you're like i followed them on tumblr and now they're there and then just the rest of it is just like a cesspit yeah just like a hellhole and it's like complete stockholm syndrome now I'm like, I have to go on and check my notifications and maybe yeah. fast read blogs and stuff. And then just quick, quick before I see anything. I do that. It's like the internet websites are just stuck home. You just like, you get there, you're like, totally. I feel bad if I don't go check Tumblr. Yeah. yeah. I get these notifications where it's like, hey, Graham, have you not checked your Tumblr recently? Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just Mark Zuckerberg, like, Graham hasn't been on for a week. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I don't know how to human if you're not online. Yeah, I think now the, the only approach you can have to online, is, I, I mean, maybe I'm, I do it wrong because I'm terrible at marketing myself, is mm-hmm. that I have access to all these websites, yeah. but everything's interlinked yeah. to one thing. Yeah. I post regularly on one thing and then it just, just goes... It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't care what condition it makes it to the website. I don't care if my tags work. <laughs> it's there just in case. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm just I'm just going to be selling Instagram. Just, yeah. Just... Chilling out on Instagram for a little bit. Yeah, I've kind of <laughs> taken a, a gap week from Instagram and was just like, I need to take a break from it because I'm just sitting there just doing this. Right. Yeah. Hours on end and looking at everyone else's great lives and great art. I'm just like, oh, I might post a selfie and I feel bad about it at some point. Oh, I'll, well, be, I'll be filtered so it would be fine. If, if you want a, a selfie project, there's one which is <clears throat> happening... It'll be tomorrow in real life, but mm. whenever it says it'll already happened. Um, it's going to call like seven days of something. Okay. And you basically post a selfie every single day, and it's going to be a personal portrait of yourself right. just for seven days okay. and part of like a larger project, which is happening. Like, it interested me. This, so this is what I use Instagram for. I use it to, yeah. one, have a podcast guests yeah. and go, that'd be good on a podcast. Yeah. But two, just to try and find like little pockets of like yeah. projects. Yeah. I mean, I keep keep missing things on it 
and then being like, oh, that was a thing. Because yeah. it's not in chronological order. No. and Because algorithms, marketing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's just like, oh, that happened three days ago. Okay. Yeah. That happened two minutes ago. All right. Okay. Maybe I can. Two days ago. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. And just, I took a break from it and was like, I don't need Instagram. I don't need Instagram. Yeah. It's fine. I can take a break from it. And then was um, I was walking around Hearts Home. And uh, there's the little house, little white house that's there. Yeah. And um, it's uh, like a kind of retreat place. Okay. It's run by um, a psychotherapist, an existential psychotherapist. Nice. And it's kind of like art stuff and team building stuff. But it's also like it's embedded in this nature reserve. Was kind of she's got an Instagram profile and kind of was liking a lot of the archetypical stuff that I was doing. Mm. And I was I've been there a lot. It's like kind of my place to go and escape. And I was walking through and I was looking at the house. I was like, I wonder if I'll ever meet her. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know, maybe. And walked around the corner, and this woman was like, Hi. And I was like, Hi. And she's like, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> and I was like, Do you live at the White House? And she was like, Yeah. And I was like what like what is this like do i need to go back on instagram so i can figure out who people are yeah and yeah and i was just like and she was like i bought your book and i was like oh thank you and then she was like it's a really good piece of work and i was like a psychotherapist said my like Carl young book yeah, was good yeah, yeah. like thank you for your validation and then it was like are you a psychotherapist and i was like no thank you <laughs> It's just like what the hell? Is your head this? swelling in the yeah, back. Yeah, this like, is incredible. Don't have, don't ego boost, don't ego boost. <laughs> yeah, it's just like really bizarre. It's like I wonder if I'll ever meet, and then walked around the corner. Yeah, and she and was just there. Instantly there. Yeah, it's just like that's so fucking bizarre. It's a little bizarre. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I ask guests to bring a subject to mm-hmm. to these podcasts, and yeah. that kind of brings us onto that in yeah. the discussion of your work. You yeah. want to discuss the discuss the catharsis? Yeah. In what sense? Um, I think just kind of when people talk about art in general, mm-hmm. but more specifically with me, like poetry, okay. like what it is I get out of it and why I started doing it and stuff like that. It, the word that always comes to mind for me is catharsis. Yeah. You know, that feeling of like having emotions and being able to do something with it yeah. rather than letting it all kind of fester. And then kind of thinking about it that Generally, that's probably on some level the case with most people. Yeah. That there is something when they're having a creative project of some kind that they are trying to... Trying to say something, trying trying to to express something. something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a poet philosopher called Jason Silver, and he does these little things called shots of awe, and they're like three-minute, like free association rambles, basically. Okay. And one of them was like the difference between the artist and the neurotic. Right. It's like essentially they're the same person. Yeah. But what happens? They you know they're like sensitive to the world, and like they take all this information in, whether it's like emotional information or like physical information, and the artist takes it all in, and then they puke it back onto the world basically. Mm. So it's like oh this is too much technically go on have it back, but here's my version of what you've given me. Yeah. But the neurotic doesn't have like that release. Okay. So it just ends up trapped in them and they can't yeah. escape and so it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Like just in general that art seems to be a way for people to get rid of it. Yeah, I agree. I think something I think it. arts I mean I always I'm like I say there's there's about there's like three sides to art. Mm. You've got creators mm-hmm. who are people who follow a brief and can make something beautiful, yeah. and they will go out of it. And then there's creatives mm-hmm. who just need to do something. Yeah, they need to do something. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll frustrate themselves. <clears throat> if they're given a brief, a lot of creatives can be frustrated by a brief mm. if they don't know how to twist it and make yeah. it just whatever they want it to be. Yeah, I think I'm probably one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, you've just got stuff which is kind of is nothing. It's it mm. just happens to be there. Mm. It's more of an advertising aspect than, than right, yeah, yeah, yeah. anything else. But yeah, I, I always think it's definitely something which is is, is fully embraced in, mm-hmm. in, in cathartic expression. Well, a question there would be would be because I know a couple of people who do art therapy. Mm-hmm. Is can you teach art as a, as a thing for people who would be neurotic as a way of coping? That's that is the question. I think that is that line between the neurotic and the artist, like. Thick yeah. and there, and it doesn't go away, or is it something you can wash away that the neurotic can become the artist? 
I mean, I think from a therapeutic perspective, yes. Okay. Like, I think using it as a therapeutic tool and using it to get something out, I think, yeah, you can not even teach it necessarily, just let people do it. Mm-hmm. But I think from a more kind of academic or critical perspective, the answer would probably be no. But fuck that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, think, I agree I think you could I think you can teach someone to be a creator mm. I think if someone has something in there like you say using it as a tool yeah. there's like a management technique in your head to go well I can do this and yeah. this this helps this and that yeah. kind of thing but yeah I, I, in some ways I don't think you can teach cathartic expression completely to the point of where an artist has it where it's like it's instantaneous. Mm. I think it's always going to be something for someone who wasn't mm. naturally yeah. doing it. It's always going to be something where they have to think about it. They have to kind of trigger themselves into it and go, mm. okay, I'm experiencing this, so I'm going to go need to do this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that would last long with muscle memory of, if in some way, like mental muscle memory of being like, oh, yeah. I'm doing this, well, this is just, I'm automatically doing it. Yeah. Like, I think, I don't know, it's like the idea of like automatic catharsis seems a bit scary, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? That it's just like, Emotions, and like I've just made something and it's yeah. done, and then I just carry on. Like I, th- I don't know, maybe I feel like it has to build, okay, which isn't necessarily like the most healthy way, no. but like creatively, it feels more satisfying, okay, to kind of have something build up and be like right. So when when you make work, mm. do you? Do you feel a, a, a sense of catharsis throughout the entire process? Because I imagine your process is quite long <clears throat> with the idea of making a, a track or something and then mm. scripting something and, and then thinking about the performance and all that kind of stuff. Or do um, you just get that cathartic moment at the end like, where you're like, yes, I've come out and I've done it and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like typically, um, when it comes to the writing, yeah, it is. I find it very hard to have a process with it okay like unless i'm overly probably overly intellectualizing it like you know like cut up technique or Mm. or kind of word association like that process i can get on board with because it's out the ordinary but if i'm like i'm going to write this particular poem about this particular thing in this particular way then i start to get frustrated really quickly where it tends to be i have to write about something right because i could try to talk about it but then I've got to find the right people to talk to about it. And I'm not always good with mouth words. Yeah. Or sometimes hand words work better. Yeah, and yeah. Typically they do work better. So it's kind of like, oh, I need to like get this out. So it's like open word, open word, da 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 And kind of type it out and then maybe edit it later at some point. Maybe just leave it and be like, it's stream of consciousness. It's a perfect piece of art as it is. Yeah. And it's like, right, okay, yeah, I feel better. And then it goes away for a bit yeah. and then I kind of go through the thousands of documents and be like, what is this? Why have I called it this? And like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was feeling like that apparently at that point. Yeah. And then with the book, it kind of came to just kind of collating it together. Spilled tea all over myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but with the music, it's kind of, that's way more kind of improvised and ad-libbed. Okay. It's kind of, I'll just open up the software and I'll just kind of composed by ear or just like flick through different settings and different instruments and try and find a sound that I go ooh yeah okay and then it kind of with the album it was different because half of it I was kind of half of it I was writing to the music and the other half I was composing to the words so I was going to say do you yeah. do you ever start with the music like, and then that that kind of gives you some sort of thing and you go oh well that and yeah. then suddenly you, you, yeah. you're expressing through it like some of it was kind of matching yeah. stuff and kind of fitting it to form some of it was kind of like I want this to go over this Mm -hmm. because this sound sounds like this to me so I want to write something for that kind of so I created a brief for myself essentially where it's like you've got these chapters you've got these archetypes these like kind of psychological characters there's ones you've got lots of but you kind of want to spread it out a little bit so let's concentrate on these ones and see if we can match the tone and that's a lot of what it was was kind of yeah. trying to match the tone of the music to the tone of the yeah. the poetry that's kind of interesting I mean I know I've been told quite by a few people that I, when I create stuff I, I seem to do it very quickly mm. 
And I think that is true of when I, if I have an idea, mm-hmm. it will go. Yeah. It, it will, it will be something and it will just go. And yeah. then I, I, I can drag it out longer. Yeah. And I do, but that's usually on bigger projects mm-hmm. and it'll be something where I've got a very set kind of track in my mind of where I'm going to end up, but it'll be full of these pockets where I've just gone and done. Yeah. And yeah. 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 I mean, I did a illustration recently <clears throat> for, for the, one of the crash courses mm-hmm. and I did it in the space of a day. Yeah. It was sketched, digitized, done. And it was just like, no, I need to get this done. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah. to get this finished. I need, yeah. need to get this out of my head yeah. or, or onto page. And I've always found it interesting when people can kind of stop between. Yeah. And especially with kind of your stuff, obviously you, you <clears throat> necessarily would probably have to stop between because you wouldn't necessarily yeah. be near something to make music yeah, yeah, yeah. or, you know, in yeah. a position to write. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it's always interesting to see just the different layers of how someone comes about making something. I mean, and how that relates to catharsis in a way. Well, that that was mine's, the, mine's an instantaneous gratification yeah, in a way. Yeah, like <laughs> I think that was it. Is that with the kind of the creative aspect of it, mm. of like composing the song and writing the lyrics. There was a little bit of planning, but for the most part, it was kind of like right, okay, put the track on and just write, right. you know, and just see what happens naturally where it was a bit of a challenge and an exercise in delayed gratification with the kind of process side of it, of um, like mixing and mastering and kind of really listening to it, where usually I wouldn't bother with that. I'd just be like, there's this wall of sound, that's the way my stuff sounds. It's just like... And then with this, because it had the spoken word element over the top of it, I had to think about it. And I had to put the effort in, I had to do research, and I had to go, right, okay, so I can do this, and I can do that, and I can do this. Or I could do it like this. But I need to take the time with it. I can't just be like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-done. Like, there there were shortcuts in the kind of rough drafts of it. And it was like, this sounds like garbage. Yeah. So I need to not have this like shortcut that I'm just applying to everything because everything's got a different thing. There's a narrative to it. There is a journey to it. Yeah. The even the genres within the electronic thing, even the genres change. Yeah. From the start to the finish. So they need to kind of be adapted and stuff. And as I was doing that, I was kind of doing things by accident and being like, "Oh, okay, I didn't mean to do that, but that was interesting. Can yeah. I fine tune that?" And then having that space to fine tune it just kind of opened up more opportunities and kind of more avenues yeah. rather than just kind of going and just having it all there. So I think, I think it with like with everything, it's about balance. Yeah. But my kind of idea of balance is this, then this, then this, then this, then this. Yeah. It's kind of like the start of the bill for some reason was the image that came into my head where it's just okay. feet yeah, yeah. walking yeah. you know that that's my version of balance rather than being still yeah it's constant just constant rhythm of, of, yeah. of things going on but yeah do you find I mean I, I was just thinking in terms of so I did uh, do NaNoWriMo <clears throat> name rings about so it's where you write a book in a month right okay you, you have 50,000 words to write and you do it during I think it's November yeah and the idea isn't quality, it's quantity. Yeah. It's, it's reading that word count. So at the end of it, you have a text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did that. Got to the end of it. Yeah. Great. Second time I've done it. Yeah. I haven't edited it. Yeah. Because I hate editing. Same. <laughs> <laughs> and, but with illustration or yeah. painting or anything like that, I will happily go back and mm. tweak. Yeah. But when it comes to writing, mm. I just see this. Even when, like, writing a poem. I yeah. wrote a short poem recently because um, I was thinking about doing spoken word and then I'm like, yeah. <laughs> do it. But then yeah. I wrote this small thing and I gave it to someone for feedback. They gave me it back. It was like, oh yeah, here's a few points. And I was like, cool, I'll go back and edit this. No. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> I've, I've literally gone, I'm probably never going to open that document ever again in my life. Yeah. And But I find that so strange between two different mediums, mm. one which I'm completely comfortable going back and editing yeah. and reworking. Yeah. So do you, you ever find that? Like, I mean, obviously music, spoken word, yeah. you, you seem to have it always a system um the spoken word stuff like it kind of going from page to spoken word like Mm. with a poem kind of i need to edit it so i can have the grammar in it that i usually won't bother with if it's on the page where it just helps me to kind of read it and with poetry i'm happy to edit with the music now more so i'm happy to edit but with prose yeah with especially with academic work, which is probably when I should, should have been doing it the most, 
and with scripts yeah hated it yeah just like any kind of formatting just drives me absolutely mental especially if it's like this is the way it's done it's like, oh no yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the worst when i when i wrote scripts for like short films and stuff mm-hmm. i'd write it in my way Mm-hmm. Yeah. which would be I'd use, I'd use a farming program yeah. I'd use Caltex yeah. and, and I'd write it out and then I'd give it to a friend and they'd format it how a script is meant to be formatted yeah, yeah. they'd give me it back we'd do read-throughs and I'd edit it in, <laughs> in my way <laughs> and that would be the finished script and yeah, it'd yeah. be cool so this is what I need to make the film you've got yeah. what you want you're happy yeah, with yeah. the formatting yeah. and I've got my original yeah, <laughs> idea yeah. just mapped out here yeah yeah. And it's the same with the book of kind of like coming to the end of it I'm like I, just, I, I can't stand grammar editing and I don't care enough yeah. it makes sense to me at the time and that was good enough I mean like I think E. Cummings just like didn't bother with it yeah like or it would be in really weird places and he'd just over emphasise it yeah just be like f- full stops for like half a page in the middle of a word that kind of thing so, like you could but arguably get away with it it's yeah. like yeah it's like some abstract novel it's fine it's meant to look like yeah. that it's challenging <laughs> you're meant to hate reading yeah. it yeah. you're meant to go to this play and not yeah. want to be here yeah exactly yeah. like I, re- I remember it yeah I re- definitely remember it yeah I do love that that aspect of art of, and I'm realising this more and more mm. as I come through this year I do love it being a bit of a troll yeah within art yeah Especially pissing off artists, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's maybe it's easy. Yeah, maybe. I think maybe there's part of me because, especially with artists, of they expect mm. to be able to handle anything mm. in a way because they're going, oh no, you know, I'm, I do abstract, I'm avant garde, and yeah. I can I can take a subject, and I'm comfortable with all these things. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but there's got to be something which just just tweaks you a little bit and it, whether it's my grammar or how, how I pronounce this so I'm going to take that yeah. and I'm going to poke you the way you poke everybody else yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like you're being you think you're a provocateur <laughs> I'm going to darling darling you're it's not like, going to see it coming we can provoke you yeah I don't know though it's like to a certain degree I think possibly like the more abstract and avant-garde an artist is probably the more like sensitive they actually are yeah but they've got to kind of just blanket replace reality yeah. with like something completely different. Like this, yes, this makes sense to yeah. me. This is how I see the world. It's like, yeah, well, the legs a bit wonky. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> it's meant to look like that, is it? Is it oh, oh, okay. I haven't done it like that. But, yeah. I mean, if, yeah, I think I've, I've got a love for like formalized things as well. As much mm. as I, I hate kind of doing things in structure myself. Yeah. I have an absolute passion for looking at something which is completely uniform yeah. and going, that's great. That's, yeah. that's good. And I love how much it provokes people when it's not quite completely uniform. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just, it's just slightly it's off. off. Yeah, so I'm just like, thing. I can love that and I can love that. Yeah. Well, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something cathartic about that for me and I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like I'm giving you cognitive dissonance. Yeah, I'm or just... do I have cognitive dissonance? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. So when you so what you got coming up project wise? Uh, Have you got new projects in, or are you still promoting previous projects? I am trying very very hard to not start on the next thing. Okay. Because why? <laughs> terrible for it. Okay. Kind of being like, yeah, okay, that's done. Like yeah. this, the book that I've got out now started the day after I published the first one. Right. So it was like I've put that out because in the in the time between starting it and and self-publishing mm-hmm. I'd just written like a load of material so it's like okay I'll just think of a name archetypical yeah okay and it was just like a holding pen for material that I was right. like when I do the next book this will be a good place yeah. so I'm trying not to do that like I've got loads of ideas because I'm like ah oh, finally done it so now I can get on with the next thing and it's like no maybe you should just stop yeah and like think about what's happened give people a chance to absorb what you already put yeah, out there and maybe yeah. like promote it a little bit more and reach out to those people who weren't able to get it or weren't like aware that it was a thing yeah um so yeah i'm trying to stay focused on the thing that's happening actually happening right now because i kind of planned it month by month i'm like well march is nearly over so <laughs> this is done now this part of my life is over and it's like no you should probably carry on yeah you can keep promoting that for the bit. rest of the year and and work on other things at the side yeah where it's like 
just trying to trying to stay on track with it and try and stay focused. Yeah. But because I kind of only I'd kind of written a plan, and the end of it was like release it and perform it because I've done that. I'm like it's done. Yeah. It's not on the list. No. There's nothing else on the list, so nothing else needs to be done. It's like you could like see what happens and react to that. But like nah, no, nah, I'm yeah. done. I'm gonna write like a three-person spoken word play and it's going to be great and it's going to be like nested sci-fi stories like yeah okay no you're not concentrate <laughs> get back on track yeah. yeah i think that that's a big it's a big problem for creatives and i mean going back to kind of catharsis the idea mm-hmm. of it once you've done it yeah you, you you have this sense of yeah. it's not mine anymore yeah it's gone, yeah. you know. It's it's like dropping the baby in a way. Like, <laughs> I've given birth, and it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and and well, how do you do that? <laughs> that was it, though. It's like I got kind of halfway, halfway through. Yeah. And it kind of because I've been concentrating on it so long, and it's kind of it's quite personal in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's also kind of meant to be relatable. Cause that that's an aside. I'll come back to that in a okay. bit. Um, I kind of was like. I just want to get rid of it. Like, I just want it. I'm pretty much done. I just want to get rid of it. I just want to give it to people because I know what this is. Yeah. I've been around it for like the newer stuff a couple of weeks, the older stuff like a year, up to a year. Yeah. So I just want to be like, here you go, have it. Like, this is for you now. Yeah. Do what you want with it. Um, where now it's kind of like, don't hurt it. <laughs> don't hurt it. But, um, like the personal relatable thing, which again I think relates to catharsis to a certain extent, is that especially in the spoken word thing, we were talking about how a lot of it is kind of like vulnerable and open yeah. and honest yeah. and stuff. That there's, I think, a lot of people who are just starting out, and even people who've been doing it for a while, are kind of worried about doing personal stuff because yeah. they feel it's a bit egotistical. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I'm talking about me, and all these people are watching me talk about me. But the thing. I found and generally people seem to agree with is that the more personal it is the more relatable it ends up being because it ends up being this thing of like oh thank fuck it's not just me right okay you know that someone of like this is like maybe a bit weird and like maybe I'm mad or nuts or like just damaged and like this is what happened or this is what's happening and people are like yeah yeah I get that thank you for saying it because yeah. I would never have been able to say that so it ends up yes yeah, this weird it shouldn't make any sense but it's the, the more personal it is the more relatable it ends up being yeah I mean that's it's an interesting point though because it's the one when I was trying to do spoken word mm-hmm. stuff this is again a conversation I had with Mel um, was I, I mean I've done writing mm-hmm. I've done shorts I've done scripts mm-hmm. I've done the occasional poem but it's never something I would perform mm-hmm. And I liked this idea that there's a piece of paper mm-hmm. between me and everyone. Yeah. And if I have a script, and even if it's a very personal script, yeah. I can hand off that piece of paper. Yeah. And whatever opinion they have on it, it's about that sheet. It's not about me. Yeah. It's 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 just you know they're on the subject. If they relate to it, great. They relate to that. They yeah. don't relate to me. Yeah. They relate to whatever Objects. I've discussed. Yeah. There's an object between us. So when it came to writing more personal stuff, like you say, it's like it feels very egotistical, mm. which is something which I'm not comfortable with of getting up and going on stage and going <clears throat> so I wrote this poem yeah. it's about me yeah. or it's not obviously about me <laughs> but you're going to guess it's about me and then standing there and going alright I'm going to read this yeah. and I, my brain just can't make that connection between someone seeing it and thinking yeah I relate yeah. even if they've related to other work because even when someone sees an illustration of a friend of my calendar yeah. uh, I did a calendar which was uh, depressed animals yeah. with nihilistic slogans at the bottom, like <laughs> give up and stuff like that and he loves it and he, he's like oh it's so relatable and you you, yeah. you capture it really well and I sat there going why do you relate to this because something in my head just doesn't go other people are thinking this yeah, yeah. even if they're saying it I'm yeah. there thinking I, I don't understand why you like this I don't I, yeah. no, I just can't make that connection so when it comes to performance I'm like even if someone came up to me afterwards and was like yeah you know I, I really enjoy it I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, how? I, I wrote that and I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
I think that's probably part of it is that <laughs> that like you're putting yourself in the position of an audience member watching yourself. Yeah. And you're like, I don't like it. So why yeah. would anyone else like it? So if I was watching myself, I'd be like, no, fuck this guy. Yeah. I think that. I mean, that's generally the way I think with any kind of performers that they just they don't want to watch themselves unless they really, really have to. Yeah. Because you end up being like, I could have done that better. Yeah. I don't like that line. I mean, I don't watch these all the way back. No. I, I literally, I, I'll edit them together yeah. in the sense of adding the clips and the audio, but I don't yeah. watch them back because yeah. the idea of watching myself terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I've had to get much more comfortable with. But yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah I completely agree that you don't want to watch yourself. Yeah. Well, it's like the, the irony of it for me is that the only... No, there's two videos and they've both got the poem that kind of became a bit of a calling card for me that I ended up doing everywhere. It's one mm. of the first ones I could memorize and recite fairly easily mm-hmm. and that people kind of resonated with is a poem about ego death okay so it's me like talking about trying to get away from my ego right. whilst i'm on stage and everyone's listening to me and it's like it kind of became a bit of a weird running joke in my head that like that's what was happening yeah and it was a bit ended up being a bit of a weird struggle where it's like i feel egotistical about reading this poem about not being egotistical so what the hell am i supposed to do with this now Just trapped in the meta yeah exactly. what I've created. Yeah, it's like i've met myself out of like enjoying my own poem and it's like yeah. it's the video like the high quality video that when it comes to like getting gigs and stuff that i'm sending out everywhere yeah and i'm like don't know how I feel about this yeah. that you know I'm like yeah yeah I've got a video and it's like I don't have an ego it's not it's like I do have an ego and I'm trying desperately to get away from it but yeah. it's just not happening <laughs> and it probably never will but let's just not be tossers that's like pretty much the gist of it yeah so it does end up kind of diverting away from me more to just be like an ego is a thing but yeah. let's try not to concentrate too much on it yeah, is um, I think you did the little solo podcast yeah. thing where you're talking about um, uh, kind of sincerity and performance. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that was kind of that was a problem that I had at the end of the last year, whereas it was increasingly I was writing for performance, right? Yeah. And I was increasingly thinking about performance and the way in which I performed, yeah. and you know when I started off it was about catharsis, about saying things that I didn't feel comfortable talking about just in a general way and um like you know the object of writing it down yeah. can separate it from me and i can read back and reflect on it as a it's it's mine and it is me but there's enough of a separation from it that i'm not like consumed by the emotions yeah and so yeah. i can kind of look at it somewhat objectively and kind of as it became more and more about performance it was just like i wasn't getting stuff out yeah, and if I was, I was doing it for the sake of a performance. It yeah. was like I'm acting sincerity. Yeah, and that became like this horrible headspace that I was in. Where I was just like, I need to take a break. I need yeah. to step back from this and just concentrate on writing for the catharsis, writing for getting it out. And that's how the book ended up coming about, and the album, where it's just like just write cathartically. Yeah, and just had that framework of kind of passing them out to a certain extent and giving them kind of characterizations of different aspects and then having it as a whole thing and being like right these are all me yeah you know that the, each of these individual bits some of them are vulnerable some of them are angry some of them are angsty some of them are pathetic some of them know exactly what they're doing some of them have no idea and that's fine yeah that's okay like try and have a holistic view of it so it has been cathartic in that way. Okay, yeah. But I think it's also then, I did it for a book. <laughs> I did it for a book and I did it for an album and I've made a product out of it. And oh, I hate that. Yeah. When, when I, this comes from, I've discussed in previous podcasts, of <clears throat> whenever I make a product mm-hmm. of anything I make, mm-hmm. I feel like I've sold out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I've, I've, I visibly made stuff which was just people pleasing. Yeah. And whilst it was fun, mm-hmm. At the end of it, I'm just like, I feel dirty. <laughs> I feel like I need to do something which is completely just yeah. fucked. Like, yeah. just completely, <laughs> like, I can grab hold of it, throw it into the world. It's like, it's not going to make any money. I mean, yeah. I, I started my, my zine, which I did, mm. um, and still do. And it's like, I did that as as a reaction to it, essentially. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Spent, I'd spent Christmas 
doing animals and objects, which is animals displaced in, in tiny objects. And it's cute, and it's, it's people <laughs> like it, and you know, buy posters. And it's like, I enjoy doing them because they're cute, and yeah. you know, kind of thing. But I came to the end of it, I was like, I just feel, yeah, I feel nasty. <laughs> I feel like I need to do something art. This isn't art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My brain just kind of counteract, reacts to it, and go, yeah. And, but I think, yeah, there's a there's a real risk, especially with performance stuff, mm-hmm. of people becoming, in a sense, a caricature mm-hmm. of their own work. Yeah. And I think it's interesting when you get someone who starts off as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's like a lot of comedians, like Johnny Vegas, for instance. Yeah. Because he started as Johnny Vegas, yeah. and it's an act, yeah. and people don't know it's an act. Yeah. And you you kind of think, how do you how do you manage that at home? Yeah, I know. At what point yeah. do you get home and you think, yeah. I'm not that. <clears throat> I'm yeah. just performing. Yeah. And if you've got a character, especially uh, as something where, which has gotten away from you as, mm-hmm. as being, especially something where it's quite dark mm-hmm. and quite personal, yeah. that can be so much more destructive. Yeah. If um, you can't control that. I think that's it, is that it's, I think it's somewhat kind of relatively new territory yeah. for um, people who do even spoken word, that there's not kind of... I mean, I think you've got characters to a certain extent within the old guard, and like you've got Phil Jupiter. And Phil Jupiter, yeah. when he was doing spoken word, when he was doing punk poetry, he was Porky the poet. Right. So he had a character, yeah. and then he went on to do something different. But it's like as there's more kind of notoriety and there's more attention on it, it's like it feels like it's inevitable that there's going to be that separation. Yeah. Where it's like you're going to have what people expect of you as an artist and an identity that that has. Mm. And then what people expect of you as like natural human being and how people will conflate the two. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think that's why it's in a way important. So many people adapt stage names Yeah, and adapt like monikers and stuff like that because you, you, you need that separation Yeah, that eventually you can just come away from it. And then if you want to go put it back on, you go and you know, you put on your cloak and you, you go out. Well, that's it as well. I think because, because spoken word is so like, I'm here and this is me talking. Yeah. That there's possibly even more of a worry about that. Yeah. That, you know, that they are so similar and people won't necessarily think of it as a stage persona. Yeah. In the kind of traditional way. And like, you know, the, the comedy thing is like, it's probably a good place to look because yeah. it's kind of, is similar in a lot of formal ways. You know, it's the, Spoken word is essentially stand-up poetry, yeah. but with a respectful audience, you know, <laughs> that yeah. you're unlikely to get heckled. Um, the worst you'll get is kind of just, like, stony silence yeah. at the most, where most of the time you kind of want that because, you know, people are paying attention, Yeah. Um, which is kind of unusual and it's really daunting at first, but then over time you get used to it. Yeah, and then, you, like, you've got musicians as well, and, like, the more elevated they are, the more that seems to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. And, like, if you are renowned for kind of dark material, yeah, you can get really, really trapped in that. It's like, you know, like, my biggest influence creatively is Trent Reznor yeah. from um, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Just, like, kind of from a business perspective as well, because he does things in a way that other people don't really seem to do things. But, yeah. like, his persona for, like, the entire 90s was, like, dark gothic overlord yeah. leather trousers S&M gear candles you know and like it drove him to nearly kill himself in the process and that's you know that's been repeated over and over and over again and then like a lot of the later material he's done is kind of reflecting back on this like persona yeah and being like that's not who I am but it's also totally who I am yeah because without me behind it that couldn't have been there yeah you know? It's just part of me which I dragged out, yeah. put on display, yeah. and it got bigger than me. Yeah, exactly. So I had to come exactly. back to it. It's like the first, the first chapter in the book. That's what that's about. It's yeah. about like the masks that we kind of put on for other people. Yeah. Whether that's kind of an antagonistic forwards one, or whether that's kind of a shielded. I'm not vulnerable. I'm fine. Kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, which I think. I don't know kind of I think that's probably a bit of a male thing to a certain extent that there's more of a leaning towards the shielding defensive persona when it comes to emotions anyway I think when it comes to emotions it can be mm-hmm. but I think from a kind of a female aspect mm-hmm. as much as you have a lot of like male artists who have quite a dark persona mm-hmm. you don't get many light hearted male personas 
which get carried away. Yeah. But then you look at Robin Williams, who was yeah, he was the the yeah. lighthearted, he was the funny guy, and yeah. then he was obviously dealing with a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the yeah, like the flip side of it, when you you get a lot of female performers, yeah. because they get empowered mm-hmm. to such an extent, and when especially at the moment where empowerment comes along with sexuality and, yeah. and all that kind of thing, yeah. they feel like they need to live up to that. That kind of thing. I mean, you think of like Amy Winehouse. Mm -hmm. If she just went on and up and up, and then obviously it was too much. And you kind of, at some point, you kind of sit there and go, were you trying to compete with your own self-image in a way? Because once you do that, that's where you're in trouble. Yeah. And it's it's like a weird, I don't know, in a way it's the dark mirrored side of catharsis, which people worry about. Yeah. And that's why they don't do it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like I... I've been there where I've been like, is this, is this too much? Yeah. Is this, or is it just too much of this? You know, it's like, if I keep hitting this drum over and over again, yeah. are people going to join in? So I don't necessarily want people to join in. Like yeah. if they need to, I want, I'd like for them to be able to feel comfortable to do it. Yeah. But I don't want it to be like, become a fashion. Yeah. You know, with everyone being dark and discontent because it's not, yeah. necessarily necessary um, I mean would you let's, uh, <clears throat> let's say obviously down the line if you, you start getting recognition for mm. your work and that kind of thing yeah. would you worry that yes <laughs> it's generally not in general yes but yeah. like because there's always that thing especially with um, so like rap performers yeah obviously yeah. a lot of their iconography mm. um, relates to violence mm. and, and abuse and stuff like that and you get a lot of rap songs later on in their careers where they're like, I didn't realise. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah, realise yeah. that this was going to go so big yeah. that kids would pick it up yeah. and they would hold it so dearly to yeah. them and try and imitate that. Yeah. And would you, do you think that could happen with something like Spoken Word? Where you, like, that one, like with Trimmer, isn't it? Where you, you see someone who is this icon of dark mm-hmm. and so would you be like, oh, but shit, if someone grabs hold of that and takes it the wrong way and they don't realise this is a performance. Yeah. I think... Would you feel culpable for that? I think I probably feel some level of responsibility, yeah. Yeah. I think I try to keep it as balanced as possible. That even if it is somewhat dark and discontent, I'll try to have something that's putting some kind of positive lilt on it right, or yeah. some kind of way out of there. Um, that it's it's meant to be in a continuum, you know, it's not meant to be taken as an isolated thing. Yeah. Um, which is obviously where it's potentially a problem can come in you know if someone just listens to one thing and it's not put into a wider context that thing can be taken like there's a lot of um like i wrote about satire okay that kind of satire and spoken word that because there is this idea that is personal yeah and it's honest yeah if someone does a satirical like character and people don't realise that that's what's happening. If yeah. they don't set up a character, they don't explain it, they just do this satirical piece, yeah. people might take it seriously. Yeah. And be like, that's how we should feel. Yeah. Because um, I wrote a piece that was kind of from the perspective of like a kind of BNP, yell yeah. kind yeah. of perspective. And it was like obviously satirical. Like, but at least by the time it gets kind of the middle, the, the statements get more and more outlandish. Yeah, yeah. Within certain parts of the internet, still within the realm of possibility, but then kind of the end is like very self-reflexive and it's obvious yeah. like that it's a characterisation. And it's like, I'd like to do it, but also I could get thrown off stage in the first 15 like, yeah. lines because people are like, what? Yeah. What are you doing? It's like, hang on, hang on. To be taken out of, yeah, yeah. out of context yeah. and, and for someone to react to that. Yeah. Because that is a worry That is a worry I have with catharsis. And like, mm. like with my calendar I made, yeah. if you if you look at it as just, this is something to inform people, yeah. it's essentially just a document and how you should be depressed and guilt yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you take it in the context of now it's an artwork and, mm-hmm. and, and there's all these things. Yeah. So there is a worry that like, yeah, well, I'll publish something like that mm. and... and someone will go and, and do something and yeah. I'll have to be held accountable and I'm suddenly yeah. going well no you have to I, I can't be yeah. responsible for the work I put out yeah <laughs> and it's like do you put disclaimers on things yeah. you know and then does that kind of ruin it yeah but then it's like what then becomes more important aesthetic value or like yeah. potential like risk to people this is a, like, as valuable as catharsis is it's <laughs> 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 there is at some point I think maybe you, you kind of just have yeah. to 
Especially yeah. if you were coming to... Maybe it's that balance between doing catharsis mm-hmm. and then audience catharsis. Yeah. And, and performance and pop yeah. products and that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and deciding where you sit, I guess. Well, that's it. It's like, generally, <laughs> I, I feel like... I hope, anyway, that kind of the personal performance catharsis instills at least some awareness of the possibility for a personal catharsis. Yeah. Um, if not, you know, the, oh, you feel like that as well, kind of um, way of viewing it. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of never really thought about kind of the danger of it. Yeah. I guess because, I don't know, you kind of <coughs> don't want to um, like patronise the audience. Yeah. No, I want them... I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they know the tone, they know the context yeah. that it's within. I guess within within an event, mm. that's a given yeah. in a way. Yeah. But obviously, when it goes on in the internet, mm. it can be taken out of context. Yeah. And that's... Like I don't think anything's particularly like overly worryingly dark. <laughs> you know, it's more the like the stuff that is like more dark. Yeah. Is kind of it's more subtle references. Yeah. It's not outright kind of stuff. But like on the album, there's nothing. Just kind of moaning, really, for most of the first half. Just like, (laughs) life's a bit crap in it. These are the reasons why. But carry on listening, and it's like, it's not all crap, you know. But then it's like, if I just... There was a meme the other day, and it was like, um, when you're on Spotify, and you left Shuffle on, and the concept album's all out of order, and it's just like this kid crying. It's like, oh God, yeah, what if that happens? They listen to it back, back to front. And it starts off really like chirpy and like dancey, and it just ends with like, nah, whatever. Yeah, just, just completely destroyed. I mean, with Spotify, there's always that concept of like, let's say you've got your concert album yeah. and you're listening to it, and you don't have premium. So in the middle yeah. of your concert yeah. album, yeah. you receive a nice advert. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of fitting in a way. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Does this make my album better if there's yeah. a Spotify advert I mean, in the middle of it? There's definitely one track on it where it's just kind of like, we're all in our computers and we're not real people and yeah. some vaguely cyberpunk I hate Mark Zuckerberg kind of stuff so having an advert for Spotify straight after it like pay us money so you don't have to listen to my irritating voice over and over again would probably fit quite well with that yeah yeah they've got that market down like advertising you want to pay to get rid of ah uh, yeah I mean <laughs> the one we've got at the minute is I've been cycling to work I don't, I don't have Spotify premium yeah. mainly because I'm cheap yeah. <laughs> so you can't beat me Spotify I can't afford you <laughs> and it's like so phone's in pocket headphones are on cycle along yeah. tap here to listen to this and I'm like I can't tap I'm cycling yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I want to listen to the advert so I get 30 minutes free, free songs but I can't tap the advert so instead you're going to play me an advert yeah <laughs> yeah I'm just trapped in I'm breaking capitalism yeah <laughs> At the same time, yeah, I can ignore it. It's like radio. <laughs> yeah, it does become white noise after a while. It does become a little white noise. I think it, it, a point to kind of, of bring around to it, I think if you're going to make work of any kind mm-hmm. and you want it to be, so you're going to have, a, have to have a level of catharsis within it. I think so. Otherwise, yeah. you won't believe in it. Yeah, yeah. And if you can't believe in it, then yeah. someone else is not going to believe in it. Yeah. I think that's it. It's, that, um, it's now more a case of getting in the headspace. Mm-hmm rather than, like, how do I perform this? Yeah. It's how do I feel this instead? And that's potentially a dangerous place to be, but it's worth... Then I'm taking on the risk. Yeah. You know? I'm like, I'm feeling this, and then afterwards I can kind of... Yeah. Go cry in the toilet for half an hour and then come back and do it again. <laughs> I think if, if you do make something personal, especially for, for younger people, mm. I think if you make something personal and you feel a lot of catharsis doing it, mm-hmm. I think at that point it's important that you show someone that work. Yeah. Because it is that thing of, like we were saying, with where it becomes a performance, you are in a different context. Yeah. So you need that yeah. when you're in a vulnerable state yeah. to go, I know what I think of this and this is my stuff, mm-hmm. but someone else needs to look at this yeah. and give me their opinion in a way. Yeah, yeah. And take it out of my context, yeah. essentially. Yeah, I mean... Just to see what effect it's having. Like doing those two events and having like a lot of varied people in two different audiences like that was really interesting to see that and how people reacted to it and said different things about different parts it's like okay I can kind of piece together a kind of objective view of this Mm. 
from what different people have said so it's kind of there's a group of subjective views which kind of patchworks into something that's not all in my head yeah. or like my projection of what I think people are thinking about it so yeah like having having feedback is like really really important yeah. I think especially with that kind of stuff because if if because when I did the um, Richie's Night yeah um, I was told afterwards that it was just like a lot of the men in the room looked really really uncomfortable right yeah like the more vulnerable it got the more they were like you know, yeah just kind of shifting in their chairs and looking around like and I was like oh maybe they're just bored and it's like no they were uncomfortable yeah. like they felt uncomfortable and I'm like don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing like my artist brain is like comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable yeah. and then the part and it's like maybe they felt really uncomfortable and I was like, yeah, yeah, like I was a, I was I was giving a problem yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. it was painful but then like at least two of them came up to me and were like that was really really cool yeah. like that was really really interesting like um, like to see you do it again so it's like okay they appreciated it they might felt the discomfort and was like oh it made me feel yeah. something that and that was expect. important and yeah. whilst I couldn't deal with it at the time yeah, yeah that's, but that, yeah, that's yeah. it it's like I think discomfort can be kind of much maligned to a certain extent hmm. it's like when it goes into pain then it's a problem yeah you know but I think discomfort can kind of make you realise certain things where you're like I feel uncomfortable about this and I didn't realise I felt yeah. uncomfortable about this I should probably look into this and be like why do I feel uncomfortable yeah well it's probably this oh shit <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think yeah okay. leaving a, a spoken word not going oh shit <laughs> that is the thing. reaction everybody yeah, wants yeah, yeah it is it is like if I if I leave a spoken word not and I'm not like <sighs> I feel a bit like tender you know then I'm kind of like that wasn't very good like if it makes me laugh, yeah. Then I'm like, okay, all right, I've got something out of it. But if I'm not like that, got that opened my chest up and punched me straight yeah, in the yeah. heart, then I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, it was all right, <laughs> it was okay. Didn't feel any catharsis. No, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just couldn't relate to your poem. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're just like happy and content. You're too well put together. Yeah, and, yeah. Like I don't know, like. <laughs> Like, that would be really confusing. I think that would honestly be really confusing. Just be like, I picked up the post today. It was bills. I'd love to write a poem I paid like them. <laughs> I'd have to read a poem. <laughs> just like normal. Just like, like completely yeah, normal. Just the complete, just stag yeah. view of what actually happened within a day. Yeah. And at the end of it, just, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm right. okay. I'm content. Life's... Saw a dog. That was yeah, nice. It, was, it made my day. Yeah. You know. I went to work at the post office and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, I think that brings us nice to, nicely around to the end of, end of this. Do you want to give a final plug for your book? For people uh, yeah, um, Archetypical. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the abbreviation.bandcamp.com is where the album lives at the moment. Uh, trying to get physical copies sorted out, but... Amazon are not happy with me at the moment, so that's being a massive pain in the arse. But don't, don't piss off the overlords at Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they're trying to work out like how much money they can avoid paying me. Right, okay. And it's like, yeah, it's, the model's a bit messed up, but yeah. 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 Theabbreviation.bandcamp.com yeah. and Amazon archetypical. Magic. Well, thank you for coming, James. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll talk to these guys later, I guess. Mm -hmm.